So, beloved friends of mine, welcome. I wish you all a very, very good evening. I am always, as usual, ecstatic to for us to have, for us to just fellowship together and just um, rub our hearts, our minds, and just um, learn at the feet of our master. And um, I'm particularly excited for what God has to teach us this evening. I don't yet know. <laughs> I don't have any notes. I don't make notes. I um, I even try not to study before um, any kind of lecture or discussion because I want um, I want myself to be as on tainted as possible i want to i don't want my mind to fight with god you know because when we start to put a lot of ideas in our heads before you know engage in a particular conversation when god is trying to take us this way we're saying oh but i wrote this down i have this already planned you know and <laughs> i mean of us have had an experience before when you're about to say something and then god is just trying to spoil your whole game <laughs> how many of us have had that before huh Lord, <laughs> yeah, I can relate. <laughs> um, what's it called? I say I didn't say I don't study. I said I don't study before lectures or discussions. You know, something God told me a couple of years ago. What is the point of all the time I put you in study and meditation that you're not able to stand and speak spontaneously at any given time? You know, and that is a motto that I live by. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't, um, I don't make notes. I don't, um, I don't, um, yeah, I just allow myself. But of course, for me to be ready in this moment means that there's been a lot of preparation that must have been happening prior to this moment, you know? So I just sit down and allow myself to be like a pipe connected to a tap, <laughs> you know? So yeah, you know, so that God's direction might be where we go to. So today, 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 we're going to be talking about the heavens, the heavens, the heavens, the heavens. For those of us who have been present with us for the past few weeks, we're presently in, will I say, our foundational series called The Tales of the Origin. And as said multiple times, we are revisiting the beginning, the book of Genesis, in Hebrew as it's called, Bereshit. And we are investigating how because life is a narrative, you know, it's a continuum. Nothing just appears from nowhere. Everything evolves in a consecutive manner, you know. And if we have a book like the Bible, which is very divinely inspired, we must understand that in some way, if a book is truly spiritual, it would have elements in itself that are just like real life. And one of those elements being the concept of evolution. Now, if this is so, and if the book of Genesis can be likened onto a seed, you know, it means that everything that is written throughout the entire Bible can be found in that small book in a potential format. Do we understand that? Yes. Do we sir. understand? Yes. Uh-huh. So there's nothing throughout the course of the entire Bible that we can't find in potential in the book of Genesis. Just like a sperm cell or an ovum cell, everything that that human being is going to be is already encoded in that small sperm cell. So the book of Genesis is just like a sperm cell. It's like a seed, you know. 
And the more we approach it, the more we gaze into it, the more we see how, whoa, a lot of things have already been spoken about long before they evolve into so many different things. And it is important to know where a thing came from. If you want to know where a thing is, if you want to know where a thing is going to. And that's life. Just like when we open the TV show, you know, a lot of TV shows just start in the middle of time. And then as you watch it, you start to understand the background of each character. And as the episodes unfold, they start to tell you how this guy had a mom like this, had a dad like this, had an ex-girlfriend this way. They start to take you back into the past. Because if you don't go back into the past, it is not possible to understand the present. And if you don't understand the present, how can there be a future? Are we following? Are we following? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So yes, we're in the book of Genesis and we are investigating to see what God has to teach us. You know, for the past, um, for the past sessions that we've had, we touched on the first few words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created, you know, and um, as we remember, those words are Bereshit bara Elohim. Bereshit, as we spoke about earlier, even though it's written in the English Bible that it is in the beginning, the word Bereshit doesn't mean in the beginning. It means in beginning, Bereshit. And it speaks about a place where creation happens or a place from where creation happens, not necessarily a time. So the book of Genesis doesn't talk about a time the world came into existence, but through what or through whom the world came into existence. Does that make sense? Huh? Yes, it does. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and awesome. And when we go further into the Bible, we see that Christ came and declared that he himself is the beginning and the end. Indeed, he's telling you, I am Bereshit. You know, I am Bereshit. I am the beginning. And out of me, everything came into existence. For me, everything came into existence. For me, everything was made. And in me, everything was made, you know. And we've been just unfolding these words and talking about them. And we've been venturing into the Bible in the original Hebrew context. As we always say, it is very important to revisit the original language in which a thing was written. Because in there, I found a lot of nuances that you will not necessarily find in English, you know. Just like the Chinese whisperer story. I'm sure you must have heard of it, where they put a line of 50 people, right? And you whisper something to the first person. By the time it gets to the 30th or 40th person, you find that the story is completely different, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yes, yes. 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 Indeed, lost in translation. So the Bible is just like this, you know. Of course, even still, even though it's translated, you know, doesn't mean that the translation is useless. Of course not. It still has a level of potency, but it is always more potent and always richer when we go back to the source and the original context in which the thing was written, you know. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 already encapsulates a great amount of things. And right there, it's written, in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. You know, first and foremost, when we investigate that first verse, already a concept about quote-unquote heaven is already dispelled. The concept of heaven being a singular place, that is one particular place that the person goes to. Because literally, the word there is in the beginning, God created the heavens. Are we following? So already, there's already a plurality there that lets us know that we're not talking about one place, but a number of places. Are we following? You know? Yeah. Yes, yes, sir. yes, I am. Exactly. And as we always say, you know, when one approaches the Bible, we have to understand that the people who wrote it had what I would call a holistic understanding of life and a mindset that has the capacity to see the relationship between all things, to see the connecting thread between all dimensions of life. And because of that, they can use one thing in this place to describe another thing in that place. Because truly, in reality, everything is connected. So everyone who gets some kind of spiritual understanding, some internal understanding about the world, the first thing they realize is that there's a connection between all things. Reality is really like a brotherhood. And if reality is like a brotherhood, then surely it is possible for me to talk about A. And in the process of talking about A, I can talk about B. That's why, for example, we see how the savior of the world is called a lamp, isn't it? And a lamp, of course, is a symbol of, of um, an animal that is a prey, you know? And oftentimes we look at a prey and we say, oh my God, this thing is miserable. But that thing that you're calling miserable is the very reason that every other thing can have existence. True or false? True. Mm-hmm. You know? True. I was walking to my friend's house about three weeks ago and I saw some Christmas rams tied at the gate. And I looked at it and something profound just hit me. I looked at this lamb, this ram that looks so miserable and haggard. And I'm like, my God, this lamb is really king because it's there chained by its neck. And we look at it and say, oh my God, this thing is just a miserable creature. But it's because of that ram that everyone can have life because it's that one that we eat, isn't it? So the one that looks like is the most miserable is actually the one that is really rich because everything is dependent on it. Do you get, my, do you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Huh? You know, oftentimes you look at the lion and we say the lion is rich, but the lion is very poor because all his wealth is as a result of it eating the antelope, the goat, the ram, etc. So he's not really the rich one because he's the one that needs to collect. He's dependent on something. The rich one is the one that we depend on. And that's why the men of wisdom, when they wanted to talk about God in his majesty, in his pure nature, they had to associate him with the lamb, a ram. That already is a paradox because people don't associate something so high with something so low. As when they put a gorilla or a dinosaur or an ego or something, everyone say, yeah, yeah, that's God. But they don't know that 
the one whose life is given for everyone to be sustained is the one that is God. So that, for example, is why God was represented by a lamb. So much so that if you hear lamb today, we think of God. But it's not as if God is a literal lamb now, is it? I'm asking. No. No. But the essence of the lamb, the essence, the the, the nature of it, the character, it's being something that gives its life for others. That essence is like the essence of what God is, you know. So that's how the Bible is written with so many different parables that share, and each, each kind of character that's used in the Bible is a character that represents a spiritual essence. That's why Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, I am speaking of earthly things and you don't understand. How then can you understand if I spoke of heavenly things? So that in itself already lets you know that there's a relationship between heaven and earth. And if you haven't understood the things upon the earth, it is not possible to understand the things that are in heaven because everything is related with one another. It is like a continuum, a straight line. So in the Bible, when they talk about heavens, you know, first of all, the word, the Hebrew word for heavens is shamayim. Let me write it down for us. Shamayim, you know. And already something, oh, sorry, I wrote it, I wrote it, um, one second. Let me put it properly. Shamayim. Yeah. The Hebrew word for heavens is shamayim, you know. And for anyone who is familiar with Hebrew, you know, if we've read a little bit, we know that heaven, sorry, um, the Hebrew word for water is mayim. Does anyone of us know that? When we want to say water in Hebrew, we say mayim, you know. So one then asks, when they're talking about heaven, why do they say shamayim? You know, why is it? Why are we still talking about water here? Physically speaking, when we look in space and we see the clouds moving, are we aware? Yeah, for heavens, for heavens, um, um, King Genesis, for heavens. When we look in, when we look in the sky, are we aware that the clouds are water suspended up in the air? I'm asking. Indeed. So physically speaking, you know, it is not strange that when the people, will I say the prophets, the wise men of those days, or Moses, let me just say Moses, when he wanted to talk about the heavenly dimensions, he associated it with something physical, which is the sky above, and how even though the water is in gaseous form, it's just a matter of some extra heat for it to fall down upon the earth and bring rain. So already we see the heavens being associated with water, you know. And um, that's why you see later on in Genesis 1, you see, and God separated the waters from the waters. That right there already talks about Shamayim, which is the waters above, and Mayim, which is the waters below. Are we following? You know, this already is talking about that heavenly dimension. And it's being associated with waters. There's something that 
I always like to say, you know, especially us in this time who are making a decision to press on and dig deeper, you know. It is important to say that Christianity, without a doubt, is a child of Judaism. And as a matter of fact, Jesus Christ called himself a rabbi. That was what he called himself. He called himself a rabbi. He was a Jewish teacher. Jesus Christ was a Jew, except he appeared to teach them the truth of their scriptures that they didn't understand. So he didn't come to start a brand new religion. Jesus Christ did not come to start a brand new religion. He simply came to explain something that was already present. Do we get that? Huh? Correct, correct. Yes, you know? yes. Uh-huh. Just like, um, just like um, if you look at churches today, right, you notice that if you actually study the trajectory of churches, you see how one church comes out of the other. I think the redeemed church came out of um, maybe Baptist or Methodist or something like that. You see how each one comes out of the other, you know. For example, CAC has brought out many other different kinds of churches, you know. For example, Daystar, from Daystar, we have Elevation. Do you understand? In about 20, 10, 15 years, maybe Elevation will produce another church. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's just like human beings, you know, it's like a family tree. Each one is giving birth to something else, you know. But that something else still has a relationship with the father that he came from, true or false? True. True, true. And if you want to understand the child, you have to go and see the parents from where he came. When you meet the parents, when you see how they talk, you see how they live their life, you see what they do. Now you can start to understand, okay, I get why this guy is like this now. I get why this girl is like this now because you have seen where they are from. So Christianity is just like this. Christianity came as a result of Judaism. Even Paul didn't start a new religion. Like we see in the Bible, it was um, the, I think it was in Antioch where they gave them the names of Christians. Is it Antioch where they gave the name Christians, you know? So even if they gave them the name Christians or whatever name they gave to them, the fact remains that Jesus Christ simply came to open up a religion that already existed. And if we are going to have a deeper understanding of this Christianity that we have all claimed to be a part of, it is absolutely indispensable for us to go back to where we've come from, to have an understanding of a lot of things. Because the thing that has made Christianity misunderstand a lot of concepts is because they dissociated themselves from quote unquote their father you know with good reason there are a lot of people in judaism who um who um are completely against a lot of concepts in christianity you know some not all you know there there however are jews who actually understand the message and understood what jesus christ came to initiate and there are many of them in this time who really get the full picture and they kind of bridge the gap between these two seemingly contrast worlds, you know. So one of them is this subject of the heavens. Because generally, most of, all, most of, all, most of us grew up hearing we're going to heaven, isn't it? But when we read the Bible, we see that the word heaven is a plural word, shamayim. Whenever the Hebrews add im to a word, 
it denotes plurality, you know. That's why we have cherubim, seraphim, you know, im denotes plurality, Elohim, you know. That's why, for example, we could see the Apostle Paul talk about the third heavens, you know. Have we stopped for a second to ask, where did this guy come up with that concept? Have anyone, have anyone of us asked that question before? No. Huh? You've not asked the question before? I have, oh, I have. You know? Where did this guy come up with the concept? Because in all the books that he wrote, we don't see them telling us about heaven number one, heaven number two. Where did this guy come up with heaven number three? <laughs> you know? And that's, that's something that should make a lot of us ask a lot of questions. Where did this guy come up with heaven number three? That's why you see a lot of people now who don't even understand what Paul was talking about. They say, oh, God took you up to the third heavens too. Okay, you're talking about the heavens. What about the second one? Where is that? Do you know what I'm saying? Everyone is saying third heaven, third heaven, third heaven, simply because they read it there in, uh, I think it's in Corinthians. But what about the first and the second or the fourth and the fifth? Where did Paul come up with this? And this is something that I'm just putting in our heart for us to know that. When Paul, you see, as I'm here now, for example, let's say, imagine me being someone like, I'm okay, like now I'm here, you know, teaching about something and I'm writing something, you know. In those days, Paul wrote letters to a church concerning certain issues, you know. And because Paul was a verified messenger of God, the things that he wrote became scripture because they know this particular person is anointed the oracles of god are in his mouth and we can trust the words that he has written and they canonized it something like that something similar like that will happen with us in this time you know a lot of things that we're going to write now and you know in the future maybe 500 years from now 1000 be surprised that, oh because maybe you have been verified as someone who is very anointed it's also become a kind of scripture and that's how the book of Corinthians and all these books became canonized. But people have made the mistake to think that just because a set of scriptures were canonized, that that is all there is to know about all that there is. How can that be possible? Because there are a lot of things that were spoken about in the New Testament that it didn't look like that can make one ask, where did this person get this from? Does anyone get what I'm trying to say? Yes, sir. Do you yes, understand? Sir. Yes. Uh -huh. sure. You know? And it's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to create new questions in our hearts. Because before any kind of answer can be pro produced, a question, first of all, has to be developed. So Paul talked about third heavens. Where did he get that concept from? And that's something we need to start thinking about. Because, like I said, Christianity is a product of Judaism. Even though the symbols might be new, a lot of things might, because for example, the New Testament was written in Greek, you know, and the Hebrew name Yahushua was changed to Aizus, and the Hebrew name Elohim was changed to Theos. So we can say that Christianity was in new names for things that have always been there. For example, in Old Testament, an angel is called Malak. In New Testament, is called Agelos. From the word Agelos, we have the English word angel. Are we following? So, so Paul came. Paul and all the all the all the apostles of that era. 
came and rebranded a knowledge, a truth that already existed long before that. Do you get what I'm saying? Huh? Same with Moses. Moses came and rebranded a truth that already existed long before him. Same with Abraham. Abraham came and rebranded a truth that already existed long before him. Because in each new time, in each new age, because the psychological state of people are different, and because the psychological needs of people are different, the old truth has to be rebranded in such a way that it can relate to the people of each time. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Huh? Yes, it does. Yes. Okay, let me ask a question. Margaret, what do you understand by what I just said now? So I can be sure that we understand. Um, basically, truth, truth doesn't change regardless of how much time has passed. But you need to position it yeah. in a way that the people that you are speaking to understand. But the, yes. the, the, the meat of it doesn't change. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's how it's been over the ages, you know. Abraham was a student of Noah. You know, this is no secret. Everyone who's well studied knows this, you know. Abraham was a student of Noah. He stayed with Noah for 38 years, you know. Um, Moses was a student of Jethro, who was a descendant of Abraham. So did I say Moses was a student? Abraham was a student of Noah. Noah was a student of Jethro. And Jethro was a descendant of Abraham through his um, second wife. Um, what's her name? Is it Zipporah? What's the name of Abraham's second wife? What's the name of Abraham's second wife again? Is it, is it Zipporah or Keturah? Keturah. 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 Yeah. Keturah. Wait, wait, El, so, can you say that again? Can you repeat that? I was going to ask. Please repeat. I didn't okay. get that. Abraham was a student of Noah. Right? Moses was a student of Jethro. Jethro is a descendant of Abraham. The Midianites are offspring of Abraham through his second wife, Keturah. Right? When we talk about Abraham, you know, Abraham is called a Hebrew. The word Hebrew literally means one who has crossed over. It does not speak about the literal crossing of a river, even though he might have crossed a physical river. It speaks about someone who has crossed over the chasm of darkness into light. Do we understand that? Yes. yes. So when we talk about Abraham, the Hebrew, we're talking about a person who has crossed over from darkness into light. That is what a Hebrew is. And that's why you see Jesus Christ came and spoke to people who were physical descendants of Abraham, who were in spiritual darkness. He said to them, if Abraham was your father, you receive me. That's to tell us that Abraham doesn't necessarily represent someone from physical ancestry, but Abraham represents a spiritual type of being. Make sense? 
Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes. I see your your hand is raised. That was a mistake. That was a mistake. I'm sorry. Okay, no problem. Okay, no problem. So when we say Abraham crossed the river, he crossed the river with his livestock and those around him. We must understand that this is talking about a person who led a people from darkness into light. And everyone who was with him also crossed that same river. So I want us to understand, I'm just trying to get us to see the little nuances in the Bible and see what is being communicated to us. Because also when the Bible talks about a person moving with livestock, you must understand that this livestock also relates to people. That's why David said, the Lord is my shepherd. For the Lord to be his shepherd, that makes David his livestock, true or false? Yes. Um, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, so you must understand, just like Moses, when Moses was in the wilderness, Moses was in the wilderness 40 years, tending to a livestock, you must understand, that also relates to a group of people. David, before he became king, he was also tending to a livestock. Does that make sense? This is how the Bible just communicates a lot of things in very simple ways. David didn't just wake up and become someone overnight. No, he, there was a process he was going through. He walked from state to state, from one person to three people to 10 people. That's how it is they continue. You know? Aha. Uh -huh. Of course. Of course, Fumilayo. There's a scripture in Corinthians. Maybe someone can find it. When Paul was talking about how... Um, where a cow eats, where a cow works is where it should also eat. Now that's why God told Moses that they should not put muzzle on the mouth of the cow. And Paul was explaining that, do you think that God is talking about literal cow, but he's talking about you as a person? And he was telling the Corinthian church that him working with the church, he has every right to ask them to feed him, but he's not doing that because he's able to take care of himself, you know. And he was showing them how in that Old Testament where a cow was spoken about, that cow was representative of someone who works in the vineyard of God. Do you get that? I don't know if you've seen that yeah. scripture before. Has anyone seen that scripture before? Is it First Timothy? Okay, First Timothy. Yes, okay. sir. Uh -huh. So this is how, you know, these nuances are in the Bible. And like I said, because things are connected to one another, they can talk about one thing, but in that talking about one thing, they're talking about another. And we have to see the relationship between all things. Dana, when you say that we're higher animals, when you saying that, that is you trying to establish some kind of superiority over something else. And that is not, you know, that's not the concept. It's not as if one is better than the other. As a matter of fact, if you are really a higher animal, that means that you are supposed to be the one to give your life for them. I hope you understand it. This is what it means to be higher. Because the one that is higher is also the one that is lower. So I want us to just think about that, you know. If you are higher than something, it means that you are also lower than that thing because that thing has to depend on you, isn't it? When you buy a dog, yes, sir. are you not? Uh-huh. When you buy a dog and you keep it in your house, have you noticed that the emotions a dog develops in the presence of a human being he can never develop it in the presence of other dogs. Have you seen that before? Yes. Aha. Uh -huh. So it shows you how all these things God has put around us for us to lift them up, elevate them, take care of them, etc., etc. So anyway, this is a strong digression. You know. So Abraham talks about a person who has crossed from darkness into light. 
And when we talk about someone who is a descendant of Abraham, we're speaking about a person who is after that same order of a person that has crossed from darkness into light. So it's not strange that Jethro was the one that trained Moses in the ways of the Elohim. Are we following? This already gives us a picture to let us know that there was a knowledge and understanding of God that was outside of what we know as the physical Hebrews. To be a Hebrew, I say, I'll say one more time, is not about being from a particular geographical location. It's about being of a spiritual standard, a spiritual quality, a spiritual state. So that's why someone who was of another quote-unquote nation was able to teach Moses in the same ways of his fathers, you know. So yes, I said all that to show us how knowledge is a continuum. You don't just wake up and bring out something. It doesn't happen. Even Jesus Christ didn't just wake up and say anything. He kept on referencing those who came before him because it's one continuum. It's one light. It's one Christ. And the truth comes in stage to stage per different needs, per different time, you know. Why did I say all of this? You know, why did I say all of this? Why did I say all of this? The Apostle Paul and the prophets and, uh, and um, all those that came in that time came to bring forth an old truth in a way that could be received in the Mediterranean world and also in respect to their psychological state and psychological need. So there's so much more about the Bible, about what the Hebrews will call the Torah, that go beyond what Paul wrote in those texts of the New Testament. Because you must understand that the name New Testament was something that King James called it 1,500 years later after it was written. When Paul was writing the book of Corinthians, did he have New Testament he was reading the masking? No, no, he didn't. He didn't have it. Uh... John didn't have, John was not reading book of Revelation because he's the one that wrote it, you know. Matthew was not reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they are the ones that wrote it. So where did they get the inspiration to write all these things? So that lets us know that there's a lot more that we have to go back and study and learn if we're going to understand, you know. And that one statement, I knew a man 14 years ago who was caught up to the third heavens, to hear things unlawful for man to utter. That lets us, when you say that so casually, don't you think that those people who he's talking to must have had some prior knowledge of the heavens? I'm asking. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh So do you see that there was a bad story that we don't know about, that does that one statement opens the door for us to go and investigate? So there are things that we need to figure out. Uh Even Jesus Christ's words, when you start to investigate the different words he says, you see how they are related to different scriptures, different things. For example, when Jesus Christ talked about forgiving a person 77 times, there was a particular king in the Old Testament who, what the, I think he was, um, he, he, I think he was bitter towards someone and he said he was going to curse them 77 times. I can't remember exactly how it went. But that one statement he made was alluding to something that happened in one of the books. And if one doesn't know the books, you just think Jesus Christ is just saying things randomly. Or what about the time when he was in the wilderness and he was saying that that man shall not live by bread alone? That scripture in the, in the, in the New Testament 
is as a result of Deuteronomy chapter 8, when the Israelites were in the wilderness. And God said, I'm the one who sent you into the wilderness to test you and to see if you hold on to my statutes, that man shall know that you shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of my mouth. So you see how nothing just comes out of nowhere. And if we don't go back to study to try and understand, we will just misconstrue a lot of things, you know. So when we talk about the heavens, we're not talking about one place. We're talking about multiple places. Multiple places of existence. Multiple places of being. And let me start by saying that in Genesis chapter 1, it states that in beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in that place, we see that inside of beginning, inside of Christ, the heavens and the earth were created. Doesn't that tell us that God, who we think is in the heavens, is actually beyond the heavens? I'm asking. Yes. Absolutely. Are we Broken saying that? Table. It's very clear, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So the idea that God is in this place or that place, Genesis chapter 1 already dispels that because it says that God existed even before those things. In beginning, God created. So the heavens were a creation. The earth also was a creation. And God was the one who preceded all these things. So God is beyond even the heavens, beyond all the earth. So that already, first of all, dispels that idea of God is seated up there in this place and that place. When we talk about the heavens, you know, as we read the Bible, when we look at the stories, the way they are written, the way the characters and things are unfolding, bit by bit, it begins to give us a picture of what is being spoken about, if we're able to read it properly, you know. And for example, you know, when we talk about a heaven, when we say a place is a heaven, on a very basic sense, a heaven speaks about a dimension of God himself, a realm of being, a realm of consciousness. Indeed, when we talk about the heavens, dimensions that are above this physical plane, they are as real and as tangible as this physical plane. I hope we understand that. Yes. Okay. Every dimension of existence above this physical plane is as real and as tangible as this physical plane, except it vibrates at a different frequency. We can say at a higher frequency, but it is very real. It is very tangible. It is a place. But before it is a place, it is first of all, a state of one's consciousness. It is a state of one's being. Because it's something that is true, that for there to be an external, there has to be an internal. So when you enter a person's house, if the house is dirty or clean, can it be dirty or clean without the person who owns that house being dirty or clean? I'm asking. No, it can't. It can't be. 
So is what is inside of a person that produces what will be around and outside them. So when we talk about the heavenly dimensions, we're not just speaking about a place, but we're speaking about a state of mind. Because it is that state of mind that brought into existence that environment. Do we get that? Um, please, can you come again? Yes. I said, it is the state of mind of the beings in heaven that created that dimension of heaven. And it is the state of mind of the beings in hell that created that dimension of hell. We've spoken about it a number of times that if Jesus Christ can talk about heaven coming down to earth, that is making this place so holy and beautiful that you might as well be in heaven, you must understand that it is also possible to bring hell up. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. You will understand that. If heaven yes. can come down, best believe that hell can come up. Do you understand? Mm. And when we look at our world today, and we look at the different things that are transpiring, we can see for a fact that hell has come up in many places. Some to higher degrees, some to lesser degrees. There's a part in the Bible where Jesus Christ talked about. He said, woe unto you, Tyre, woe unto you, Sidon. For if the message that was preached to you was preached in Sodom and Gomorrah, they will be around up to this day. Who remembers that scripture that Jesus Christ said? I remember, I remember. Yeah. So that tells us that even this Sodom and Gomorrah that we're all reading and we're saying is so bad, I'm very sure that Sodom and Gomorrah is much better than a lot of things in this world today. We get what I'm saying? True. Do you understand True. that? Because look at Sodom and Gomorrah, we say this, this, but yeah. eh? They are doing internship. In the, are, do, in do you understand? Because Jesus Christ said Tyre and Sidon back then, which at least in those days, they were still an understanding of God, they were still an awareness of him. For him to say that in that time, they were already worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. What then will we say if Jesus Christ comes to New York or Paris or, or London? Or... <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? So we can or see Nigeria. how, or, or Nigeria, you know, Nigeria, <laughs> hell is coming up in many, many areas. So that already tells us that there are already degrees and degrees to a lot of things. You know. Not only is it possible for the heavens to come down, it is also possible for the hells to come up. And like I said, when we talk about the heavens, we're talking about a dimension of God himself. A realm of experience, a realm of being. Heaven is a dimension, and we can liken it onto a state of a person's consciousness. You know. And there are different ways that God has represented that journey upward. Because, like I said, we all grew up with this mindset of, oh, we're going to one heaven, but the Bible speaks about multiple heavens. Do you understand what I'm saying? It speaks about multiple heavens. It speaks about multiple dimensions of God. It speaks about multiple attainments in God. So where do we come up with the concept of one particular place that we're going to? And that's something for us to think about. You know? Because if we, if we even look at the book of Revelation, 
if there's anything greater than going to heaven, is making heaven come down to earth. That is something that is greater. That's why we have the Garden of Eden. It was a piece of heaven upon the earth. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. Do you understand? Any place that the will of God is established and the nature of God is being expressed and his laws are being followed, automatically that place becomes a heaven or a kind of heaven. Because like we said, a heaven speaks of a dimension of God. It speaks of a state of consciousness, a level of being. And if I have attained this level of being, 10 of us have attained this level of being, and we are in this room, everything that happens here will be just like whatever happens up there, true or false? True. I'm asking. True. Let me say it again. I'm not saying that there are not dimensions above us that exist 100% and they are as real and as tangible as this physical plane. However, before they are physical places, or let me use the word tangible places, they are first of all states of being, states of consciousness, states of the mind. And for one to be able to stay in a heaven perpetually, one has to be able to stay in the mindset and frequency of that heaven perpetually. I'm already touching some tables now, you understand? For one to stay in a heaven perpetually, one has to remain in a particular mindset perpetually because that is what allows you to stay in that realm. I want you to look at a heaven or a dimension like this planet Earth. Is it possible for you to survive in this planet Earth without your physical body being made out of the same particulars of this planet? Is it possible? No, no, no. No. The reason why you can live on this planet is because literally your body itself is this planet. You are made up of the same chemical composition of this planet. The reason why a human being of planet Earth will die the moment they enter into planet Mars is because you and planet Mars are made up of two different substances. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Huh? Yes, it does. So if I take you to Mars and you and Mars are not compatible in nature, what happens? You'll die. Dead. Uh (laughs) Now, Now, do you understand why Adam was kicked out of Eden? Do you understand? Yes, because in in his disobedience, in his change of constitution, of composition, he became something different from Eden. And the moment he became something different from Eden, automatically he had to be ejected out. It's like oil and water. There's no, no matter what you do, they can't mix because they're not the same. I'm sure you've seen some, I've ever seen some pictures of like some bodies of water, when two bodies of water meet. You can literally see that one is of this color, one is of that color. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. it tells you that they just can't mix because they are not the same. For them to join together, they have to be of the same composition. And that is what it is when we talk about a heaven. It's like a planet. It has its own atmospheric constitution. And when a person does not vibrate at that level, it is impossible for a person to stay there. Do we understand? 
do we understand? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. There yes, was a time. Yes. Uh-huh. There was a time when Jesus Christ was speaking. And he said, no one had, has ever before descended from heaven, except no one, has, no one at any time has ever ascended to heaven, except the son of man who is in heaven. I want us to meditate on that scripture because there was Jesus Christ standing upon the earth and he was saying that even though physically I am here, my consciousness is up there and it's from that realm that I'm addressing you in this realm. Does that make sense? Yes. Huh? Yeah. Please, yes, please, yes. please, can you come again? Yes, please save that sound yeah. again, please. Okay. Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, no one has ever ascended to heaven at any time except the son of man who is in heaven. Not who will go to. He said who is. So in that place that he was standing physically, he was letting Nicodemus know that he is in heaven right now. Because like we always talk about, there's a difference between this physical house that we're in and we who are inside of the house. Do we get that? As I'm sitting yeah. here now, yeah, yeah, yeah. psychologically, it is possible that even though I'm looking at you physically, psychologically, I could be in the year 2009 Reliving an old trauma of yesterday. True or false? True. Do you understand what Yes, yes. That's yes. why you see people, aha, uh -huh, like we always talk about, that's how you see PTSD. For a person to scream when they hear a loud sound is because in that moment, even though physically they're in 2020, they're in 2021, psychologically, they have already gone back to the year 2008. And even though physically they're here, psychologically, that's where they are. And they are relating to you from that place that they are. It's the same thing spiritually. You can stand here physically right now. I'm looking at you on earth. But your consciousness, your state of being is inside of hell. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. And everyone has experienced heaven and hell. Right here now. When someone says something to you or does something to you that you don't like and they tell you, oh, Sharon, look at your big head, look at you, you don't know anything. And you begin to think of how to destroy them and wound them with your mouth and insult them back. Do you think that you're operating from the realms of heaven? I'm asking. You are in hell back then. No. You understand? Uh -huh. <laughs> Remember, understand, we have, not lost, we have not lost track of where we're going. Remember, I started by letting us know that the word in Hebrew for heaven is Shamayim. And Shamayim talks about the waters above. If you look at the Bible, that's why you always talk about the latter rain, the rain coming upon the land to bring forth yield, the rain being seized for three years. Do, are we getting this analogy? It speaks about a place from which sustenance and nourishment comes a place from which blessings come upon a person the heavens shamayim the waters above is that place that we are dependent on so if a person is in the heavens therefore whatever they do has to nourish people 
Do we understand that? Yeah. Because it's water. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus Christ said, out of one's innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This is what Paul said, that the first Adam was a living soul, but the last Adam was a life-giving spirit. It's one thing for you to have life in you. It's another thing for that life to come out of you and bless another person and bring to life another person. Does that make sense? Huh? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, sir. Indeed. In the Bible, the word for blessing is called Baruch. When you look at all the people that are called Baruch, blessed in the Bible, a person that is blessed, they are always called blessed as a result of what they have done for others, not because of what they have, but what others have because of them. Does that make sense? Are we thinking about that? A person yes, yes. is considered blessed by how much other people have because of you, not because of what you have. You know, you see a lot of people on Instagram today, you know, they put their Rolex watch, they show you and like, say, yeah, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I'm... That's not what blessing is. Blessing is not about what you have. It's about what others have because of you. And I will always say a picture of something that is blessed is the sun, you know, All the planets that are dancing around the sun are all radiating, are all shining, are all alive as a a result of the sun. The sun is very blessed because look at how many things are enjoying because of it. That is what it means to be a life-giving spirit, a quickening spirit, that which resurrects people from the dead, lifts them up from poverty, whether materially, psychologically, or spiritually, into wealth. That is what it means to be the last Adam. That is what it means for one to be connected to the Shamayim or the Shamayim, the waters above, you know. When out of us comes something that instead of giving nourishment to others, instead of giving life to others, instead of giving blessings to others, when what comes out of us is something that is taking, in that moment you must understand that we're not functioning from the frequency of the heavens. We're functioning from the frequency of the hells. And like I said, everything on the outside is a product of everything that is on the inside. When you observe all of nature, reality is first of all inside before it is out. Should we investigate that now? On a very basic level, should we do that? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just so to... you, Toby, Toby, let me use you as an example. Unmute your microphone. Ah, okay, okay. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. You that you are here, where did you come out from? Uh, came out from my physically, physically speaking, my mm. mom's womb. My mom's womb. Uh-huh. So that was inside out, isn't it? Yes. And your mom also her mom's wood all to go to the first man, isn't it? Yes. The first man, where did he come out from? <laughs> um the, the spoken word. <laughs> Put it no, no, the first man came out of the earth, <laughs> physically speaking. Okay, from the earth, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah it was made of the earth. In yeah. Hebrew, literally, it was written that Adam 
was formed of the dust of the earth. When you read it in Hebrew, that earth is called Adama, literally. And in Hebrew, when you have the word ah behind the word, it speaks of feminine connotation. So from the Genesis, we see that earth is already spoken of as feminine. That's why earth is called Adama and earth produced Adam. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so it's not strange that the Greeks called the earth Gaia, a female. Is the truth. The earth is feminine. It's also there in the Bible. Do you get what I'm saying? So physically, the humanity came out of Adama, which is the planet. Now this planet, where did it come out from? Toby, I'm asking. It came out from... Um... The planet came out from, um, guy, I don't know. <laughs> okay, no problem. Okay. So the planet came out of the nebula. A nebula happens when a star bursts into a supernova and releases what we can call stardust. From that stardust, things, elements begin to collide with themselves and they begin to form a planet, begin to form stars. And that's where the Earth came out from. And that sun too came out from something similar like that. So we see how inside out, inside out, are we, do we get what I'm saying? Yes. Huh? So it's not strange that Paul will say that what is first is what everything that is physical is a result of everything that is spiritual. I'll be happy to quote that scripture. But we know that all the things that we do see as, came as a result of that which is unseen. That's how the scripture goes, right? Yes. We're made from things which cannot be seen, which are not seen. Okay. So, so the external is a product of that which is internal. What is first is that which is internal, spiritual, invisible. What is next is that which is external, physical, visible. So we understand this, we must also realize that before there can be heaven and hell outside of us, there has to first of all be heaven and hell inside of us. That is the reality of life. When you say, I'm going to my village, that village, let's say we can say um, um, uh, Uyo, let's say Uyo, for example, right? Aside from Uyo being a geographical place, don't they have a psychological state that defines them as a people? I'm asking. Yes, huh? Like culture, so, mentality. The language huh? and all that. Uh-huh. You go to some places, you see, you just enter there. They're very nice. For example, Arabs now, they're very accommodating. If you come, so long as you don't stay too much. Yeah. <laughs> For the first two days, they'll treat you nice one week. But after that, yeah, bro, what are you still doing here now? <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? <laughs> Every geographical place is, first of all, a psychological place. So when they say a man leaves his village, it is possible that he has left his village geographically, but psychologically, he's still a village man. True or false? True, true, true. true. Uh, you, you understand? Oh. That's why we say this one is a bushman. Physically, you have left your village, but psychologically, you might as well be in that same place because there's nothing that's changing you, you know? So every place we see is, first of all, geogra is, is geographical and is also psychological. It is first psychological, before it is geographical. That's why when we go to different parts of the world, don't we see that the architecture is different? I'm asking. Mm -hmm. yeah. Huh? Yeah. It's all different. 
it tells you something about the psychological type of the people. You go to India, you see their structures look a certain kind of way. You go to China, you see their structures look a certain type of way. You go to, you go to London, you go to Spain. And for example now, have you noticed that in Europe, when you look at the different European countries, their buildings, roads look very similar. Don't you see that? Yeah, yeah. Does yeah, that tell yeah. you that psychologically they're all close to one another? I'm asking. It does. Do you understand that? Yes, it does. Yeah. Uh-huh. Also in Africa, when you look at our stuff, when you start to go from nation to nation, you see that there's similarity on the external because what's psychologically, there's a kind of similarity, true or false? True. Are we getting this analogies right? Is anyone Wait, confused? So- I am a little bit. How are they close to each other because their houses are close? If anything, aren't British people very individual? Like, isn't their system more individualistic? So I'm talking about, for example, now you have England, you have Scotland, you have Wales, right? Those three nations that are very close to one another, when you look at their architecture, when you look at their roads, when you look at their laws, are they not very similar to one another? Yeah, they are. Yes, because psychologically, there's a difference between them, don't get me wrong, but the difference is not that great because there's not much distance. Make sense? But when you cross from England all the way to somewhere like Japan, because there's much distance between the two, you will see that express itself on the outside. Do you get my point? Mm, Yeah, kind of. For example, now you have North Korea, South Korea. When you go into those countries, because they're so close to one another, you see that just like brother and sister, if I come to a house, because the brother and sister came from the same place, I will see similarities between two of them, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so that same concept of brothers and sister being identical, we see the same thing with language, we see the same thing with skin complexion, we see the same thing with behavioral traits. Does, does this make sense to us? Yeah, it does. Uh-huh. That's why you see, for example, the Yorubas. Look at Ilori, for example. Ilori is in Kwara State. But when you hear their language, doesn't it sound like Yoruba? I'm asking. Yes. Yeah, it does. Uh-huh. Look at Edo State that is also close to Yoruba. You see that a lot of things are shared. When you go to the south and you see Calabar and all these places, you see that their languages are close to one another because psychologically, they are close to one another. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh-huh. So... When we talk about a place, a place is not only geographical, a place is also psychological. And if you, okay, like in Genesis now, right? Imagine you going to Spain, huh? In Spain, don't they have a certain kind of psychological way of being? I'm asking. What happens if you carry Nigerian mentality there? <laughs> How will you be treated? <laughs> you it just will work because even though you are in the same physical space as they because on the inside you are so different you can't blend you know when you come in your different clothes you come in your different language that's why you see Paul understood psychology that's why he said I became all things to all men that might gain some that should tell you that they have this understanding of psychology Paul had wisdom so the way he speaks to someone in the Mediterranean who is very exposed because the Mediterranean then, of course, is, 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 a, is the sea. So that was the place where everyone was going for trade and all that stuff back then. So different cultures were mixing with one another. We can liken it onto New York, 
London, Paris, Dubai, that is a melting pot of different civilizations. You can't mm -hmm. just go there and talk like an illiterate. Do you get what I'm saying? There's a way you must mm -hmm. carry yourself, you must speak, you must dress if you're going to get your message across, isn't it? You yeah. Know? yeah. Uh -huh. So Paul understood that for you to blend in a particular geographical location, you have to first of all blend psychologically with that location. And the heavens are just like this. They are geographical places, but before they are geographical places, they are psychological places. And if one is not of the psychological composition of a particular heaven, the person cannot stay there perpetually. You might receive an excursion there. Maybe one day, if you have been doing well, God will take you on a visit. For you to enter heaven in the first place, it shows that there's a part of you that is like that heaven. Does that make sense? Huh? I'm asking, do we understand that? For, yeah, you, to enter the, uh -huh. For you to enter there in the first place, it tells you that there's a part of you that resonates there. Because if there wasn't, you won't be able to enter there in the first place. But for you to not yeah. stay there, for you to come back down, it tells you that there's a part of you that does not resonate with that place. And that's where the work of transformation and transfiguration and daily dying and, 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 and um, rebirth comes into play that enables us to be able to perpetually stay in that presence, in that place. Because there are people who exist today that based on how they have worked with God and allowed themselves to be transformed and allowed themselves to be purified, just like Jesus Christ, they are able to retain a perpetual citizenship in a particular dimension. And no matter what time of day you catch them, they will always speak to you and relate from you from that realm. On a very basic level, don't we have times when for one week, two weeks, we're very happy, we're very jubilating and we're nice and kind to people, one week later, we're gloomy. If anyone talks to us, we're snapping. Haven't you all experienced that? Huh? I'm all good swings. Experience So on a very basic level, heaven in us, on a very basic level, understand, I'm saying this is basic because I'm not going into the depths of it, just on a very basic level. Heaven in us can talk about when we're high spirits. You know, we're very happy. And of course, when you're happy, you're always more generous. You're always more ready to listen. You're kinder. You're all the nice, nice things. And hell in us is when we are emotionally or mentally negative. You know. King James, what is the question, please? Thank you. Um, you know, I'm just, I just thought about, you know, when uh, at the end of the day, I mean, let me say the rapture, and we all rapture able to, as God has promised that, oh, yes, we're going to meet him at the end of the day. He's going to call his, his saints. So I want to know the place of where, you know, the, we're also told in the Bible about Satan coming to the earth because he disobeyed God and all sorts. And as I was, I mean, from the Bible also says that uh, when we're going as rapture, we're going to be transformed into another form and when we get there there won't be any won't have even the nature or the idea of we want to do anything sinful or anything uh that will contradict the kind of um 
how we are supposed to live in heaven. I mean, it's going to be different from how we are living right now on earth. So I just want to know, is there going to be any... Uh, because I know, I'm wondering why Satan how to disobey God right in heaven. I was thinking that there won't be any thought of oh, arrogance or any kind of pride in heaven. Do, do you get that? So, I mean, because just the way you illustrated uh, in the Garden of Eden, because... Adam messed up and because he was not, he couldn't fashion himself in that position again. God had to push him out. So I'm just saying that kind of nature, we won't have it. We even have that thought of who oh, want to sin or want to do something against God when we get to heaven. Do you get? So is there, is it, why, why did it happen to, to um, Satan? I don't know if you got my question. Do okay, you... let me first of all, yeah, understand your question. And yeah, um, yes. it's also a subject that we're going to definitely talk about and investigate to see what, um, what lies there, you know. But first of all, I want to say that there is nothing in this universe that God has created that happens by chance. No one just wakes up and finds themselves in heaven no one just wakes up and finds themselves in hell. Whatever effect we see today is a product of a cause that must have happened yesterday. Whatever effect we will see tomorrow will be a product of a cause that is done today. If there are no causes done for me to make $10 million in three years' time. There is no way on earth that $10 million is going to appear in my account. True or false? Yeah, on a very basic level. Of course, magic can happen that someone can make mistake and try all this. Does, um, let's leave all that aside. On a basic level, based on work, for something to happen, something must be done to make it happen. As I just clap down, for that sound to come out, my hand had to first come together. For my hand to come together, I had to first think about it. Do you understand? There's always a cause that leads to an effect. And if someone is going to enter into heaven, there is a cause that will produce that effect. And if someone is going to stay in that heaven, there's also a cause that will also produce that effect. Do we understand that? Yeah. Yes. Because uh-huh. like you just said, how come Satan, oh, we're going to see you investigate that subject, but how come Satan that was once in heaven fell down? Because of course, if you heard about falling and all those things, how come those beings who were once people who expressed the nature of God and were doers of his will, how come they fell down? That in itself already begins to tell you or expand what we're presently talking about. Because for Adam to remain perpetually in the Garden of Eden, he had to do what? I'm asking. He had to keep, he kept to the instruction of God until he failed. That's when he was pushed out. So the, mo- uh-huh. so the moment he was no longer allowing himself to be submitted to God's will, what happened to him? Yeah, he was chased out. So, so, so my bone of contention is, is that place of, I thought at least the way I got to know about it was that at least from children, and I may be wrong, 
was that when we get to heaven, we won't have the propensity to, to say we want to do anything wrong. We have a nature, a divine nature. I mean, that we won't do anything wrong at all. So that's what I thought. So I was just sinking in with how come devil now did something wrong and God had to cast him out. I'm just, that's where I'm placing the, the, the thoughts. I mean, you see, this thought you're presently sharing now is one of the things that we're, we're presently now addressing. That mindset that, oh, no matter this, that, 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 I'll remain perpetually in a particular place. It is not possible to remain perpetually in a particular place if you're not doing something perpetually. Does that make sense to us? I want us to write down that law. For you to be in a place perpetually, something has to be perpetually done. I want us to remember this. For you to hold on to $10 million, for you to have $10 million cash in your account every year, year after year, there has to be something that you are doing consistently, true or false? Huh? Sure. You make 50,000 naira this month and you made it because you worked for a certain amount of hours, you saved this and that. If next month you don't work those same hours, you begin to squander and spend anyhow, will you have that 50,000? I'm asking. You won't. You won't. Because for you to have Very something much. perpetually, you have to do something perpetually. Joseph, you have a question. Are you there, Joseph? I can't hear you. Joseph, are you there? Okay, I think his network is bad. Ethan, I, do you want to say something? Okay. No, sorry, it was a mistake. Okay, okay. Okay, Toby, your hand is raised. Yeah, sorry, it was just in regard to what, just to follow up with King James's uh, question. I think, I don't know if uh, maybe King, I don't know if King James, if, if he got the answer he was looking for from you. Um, I think what I got from what he was, the question that he was asking was that like, he was first of all alluding to, he first said something about rapture first. So oh, yes, um, yes. Can, you, can, can you please um, break it down to make probably even, make people understand what the concept of rapture is. Um, because I think he, he described still going to a place, you know, like going somewhere. You've already talked about how it starts from somewhere before going there. Like if it exists here, it exists there. So I think there's a lot of concept of like, they are going somewhere, going somewhere, not realizing that where they are already presently, like you said, you are existing from that place already. So I yes. think maybe you can expand on that fact so that people can, can understand that is you're not it's not about going somewhere it's not about traveling to another place it's not about somebody coming to pick you up to take you there you are already there in different planes kind of thing maybe expand on that and then um for this I, I i maybe you can also expand on the garden of eden and creation as well you know there's a time you talk no, about garden of eden is a different that one is a okay so like we said you know um, yeah, Joseph, your hand was raised too. Is your mic working now, Joseph? 
Okay, I think maybe your network, maybe you could, if you could type it down in the chat box, maybe that can help. So regarding the concept of rapture, right? Like we said, we just established now that it's possible for me to leave my village of Uyo and come to Lagos physically, but psychologically, I'm still in Uyo. And I talk to people in Lagos as if I'm Uyo, I'm in Uyo, and I'm surprised that, ah, but this is how I talk to my people and they treat me nice. How come these people are being rude to me? Do we understand that? Huh? Yeah, we do. Yes, yes, yes. You know, this is the common concept of Nigeria where you say this person has misrule. <laughs> you think that you're in Obodo uh, Yibo. Who are you smiling with here? <laughs> do you understand? You know? Psychologically, if, for example, you've lived in uh, maybe Paris and you lived in upscale Paris and you're used to people being polite and smiling and saying please and thank you and all these nice gestures. If you come to Lagos with the mindset of Paris, you are going to be in for a rude awakening because not, not downscale Paris. If you downscale Paris, it's a nasty place. <laughs> if you come to Lagos, you'll be, you'll be in a shock because you're going to be like, wow, 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 wow. What is, what is, uh, what is going on out here? You know? And that's how many people get swindled. You know, a lot of white people, they get swindled. The reason why white people get swindled a lot in Africa is because they come to Africa physically, but psychologically, they are still in their country. Make sense? So inside of our, inside of our being, psychologically speaking, spiritually speaking, it is possible for us to go from one place to another even if physically we're here. And where we go physically is dependent on where we are psychologically. Before I travel to London, first of all, in my mind, I have to go there first, isn't it? I'm asking. Yes. Before Jesus Christ could physically be transformed, <laughs> lol, and the psychosis. Before Jesus Christ could physically be transfigured, are resurrected so much so that we saw that resurrected and heavenly body. Could that happen if inside of him there was not a kind of transformation? I'm asking. No. 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 The most important rapture of any believer, of any person, is the rapture that happens within. It is that rapture that happens within that defines whatever will happen without. Does that make sense to us? Yeah. Yes. 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 Is it possible for God to be born through you to another person if he has not first been if he has not first been born in you? No, it's not possible. So before you can be a conduit of God's life, before you can express him to the world, before you can be a book of life. First of all, that book of life must first come in you. So even when we're talking about the second coming of Christ, I want us to understand, even in those days, before Christ was seen physically through the body of Jesus Christ and through different prophets that have, in, that have existed, Christ had to first of all come inside of that person. Does that make sense? Yes. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Oh, how? Huh? You understand? How did that happen? Yeah. Christ coming. <laughs> huh? Okay. So, for Can example, you we see Jesus, yeah. okay, see Jesus Christ of Galilee, right? 
right there in the first opening chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we saw when the spirit tabernacled inside of him. Isn't it there written very boldly? I'm asking. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Huh? It's right there. The spirit of Christ, first of all, descended in that tabernacle before he did anything. We didn't hear of him all this while. You know, he was in seclusion. Not that he was not doing anything, understand? He was doing a lot in the silence. I don't know. I wasn't there, but no one just wakes up and becomes everything he was. It's not possible. There must have been a lot of process that was going on that enabled him to jump out like that. You know? But that spirit had to first come inside of him and tabernacle in him before it could express itself out. Before he could lift up anyone, he, first of all, had to be lifted up. Before Moses could lift his brothers and sisters out of psychological and spiritual slavery, he, first of all, had to be lifted out from psychological and spiritual slavery. True or false? Huh? True, true. true. You understand? True. So when the Bible talks about rapture, primarily, and most importantly, it speaks about us elevating from the mindset and realm of the flesh and slavery to the body into the freedom and dominion of the realms of the spirit. That is the first and most important rapture that there is. Everything else is secondary. And this is something for us to remember. Because many people just think that, oh, it doesn't matter. Once I just say with my mouth, I believe in Jesus Christ and all these things that we all say, that it does not matter. And that time that will come, I'll be up there. How can a person enter and stay in Mars if they don't have a spacesuit that is designed in a way to mimic the constitution of Mars? Does that make sense? That's why people wear spacesuits because the spacesuit is designed in a way that enables it to mimic the atmospheric condition of that planet. You cannot stay in a realm if you are not in some way that realm. So it's not just about entering into a heaven. It is about becoming that heaven itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, a heaven speaks about a dimension of God, a realm of his dominion, a realm of his wisdom, a realm of his um, a realm of his authority, a realm of his character, a realm of purity. There's a scripture that's, that goes in Psalm 24. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Do you understand? Already a prerequisite is shown. You know, it's just like, it's just like, um, like physically speaking, you know, for one to, for one to, for one to go higher physically, either you become lighter or you can manipulate physics in such a way that you create a force that pushes you up, which in a sense makes you lighter. Does that make sense? Huh? Yes, it does. Repeat that, please. Physically speaking, for you to fly up in the sky, right? You have to be lighter than you are. If you cannot become physically lighter than you are, you can manipulate physics in a way that you can create a force that pushes you up. 
which in a sense makes you lighter. That's why you have rockets and the, you know, rockets, the, 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 yeah. you understand what I'm saying? In a sense, mm-hmm. you have become lighter because you are manipulating physics, you know, stuff like that. So there are prerequisites for one ascending up and staying up. And that's why if the foil of the plane finishes, it will come down. Because for you to remain there consistently, there has to be something that is perpetually done because you are not that place. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Even the bird yeah. must first of all come down, get some energy before it can go back up because something has to be done to keep you in that place perpetually. Once you no longer have it, you can't stay there. The birds can't fly indefinitely. They're able to fly because of what they've picked up on the ground. That's why they can you know, keep on going up and staying up and stuff like that. So the same it is with spirituality and with God. You know, someone asked the question, does this explain people that have heavenly encounters and say they were taken up to the heavens? Yes. You know, that's what happens. They experience a dimension of God. And you see, those dimensions are not physical. You know, when you enter there, it arranges itself in such a way to you that would help you understand what you are seeing. So for example, you see a vision, someone can say, oh, God took me to the heavens and I saw God sitting on a majestic throne and this and that. You did see that, but that does not mean that that is what was literally there. That throne you saw was God creating an image that is close enough to your understanding to help you to understand the essence of him being a ruler, a king, and having authority. Does that make sense? Huh? Yeah. 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 When they say streets of gold, yeah. it's not as if in that place gold, because gold is only valuable in this physical dimension. Do, do we understand? And there are some parts of this world who they don't, they don't even care about gold. They will use diamond as cast their hand if care is not taken, you know? But to us, Gold has a level of significance, importance, value, especially when it's very pure, you know? You know? <laughs> if you said my mansion, I'm not boasting what they told you. I'm, I am actually replacing it to something even much grand, much more, more, more grand. Because the pictures we have of heaven are simply a little bit of an exaggeration of what we already have on earth. It's not really different. Does that make sense? So when we think about heaven, we just think of a bit more than what we have. So our idea of heaven is more money, more cars, more women, more. It's not really something transcendental. It's just an exaggeration of what we have here. So it's, it's not, do we understand? Does anyone understand what I'm saying? Yes. Like, you know, huh? eh? What do you say for me? Said, yes, like our view of heaven is kind of limited because of what we have. Uh-huh. It's very limited. So that's why we want to do in heaven or have a very big house. Because for me, for me to wish to have a very big house and big land in heaven, it's probably because on earth my house was very small. Abby? <laughs> you know? Someone like Prince Harry now and all these people who have grown up in big houses, don't you think that their wish is to have a very small home where everyone can talk with each other? So his picture of heaven will not be big house. If I that would be held to him because that's where it's coming from. Abby, do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> you know 
So the pictures that we have of heaven, all these things are just a little exaggeration of what we already know now. So all these things are limited. There are many, many, so Naya asked the question, Joe, don't worry. I didn't forget your question. I was still going to go there, you know. Naya said, what about those that have gold shimmers on their hands and, and, and after an encounter? It, see, you know, there are many things that are possible. You know, there are many, 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 many things that are possible. And um, God, God, um, God communicates to us in different ways to boost our faith, boost our confidence, and do a lot of things, you know. It is very possible that God can, I've seen stuff, people will have um, gold tooth in their mouth, you know, some have their hand gold dust, and it's, it's, it, it does happen, you know, it's, it's not a lie, it's true, these things happen, you know. That, however, is God trying to convey a kind of message to them, and God can explain in different ways, you know. He's trying to tell them of the beauty of the wealth, of the purity of that dimension that he wants to take them to. And he puts it on their hand. That will... So when they see that gold dust on their hand, it leaves a very powerful imprint. It's just God trying to communicate something to them. It's still a communication. That's why Jesus Christ kept on saying, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, because it is impossible for him to tell you what it is. Do you understand? Because you have to experience it for yourself. All he can do is associated with something that you already know. That's why I say the kingdom of God is like this, 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 because you already know that. So he's trying to associate his explanation with what you already know so that you can have some kind of approximated understanding. But approximated understanding is not understanding. Someone can ask, oh, how does snake meat taste like? Eh, it's just like chicken. Well, that doesn't tell you what snake meat tastes like, does it? I'm asking. No, no. you have to eat snake meat to know what snake meat is. So even if I say it tastes like chicken that has been dried for three days, still, you still don't know what it is. You have to know and experience it for yourself. So all the visions, people, all these are just, you know, God is trying to give, you know, a picture to you, an idea. He shows you streets of gold. He shows you people smiling. He shows you this. Because even if he shows you people smiling, Joy, is it an external thing or an internal thing? Internal. Internal. If it was external, someone who has it has poured and burned their whole face that they can't physically smile, does it mean they can't be happy? I'm asking. Huh? No. No, you know, because joy is an internal thing. So when you see a vision, you see people smiling and this and that, doesn't necessarily mean that that's how it really looks like there because even this physical form that we have is limited. For example, in the realm of the spirit, you know, this form is not, that's why some of us, when we enter in the dream, for example, you know, when we enter into the dream, it's very possible that your body can change form, isn't it? Because in that realm, things are not as dense as in the physical plane. You know, you can see how you can, the moment you think about something, you appear there, you can disappear, you can fly because the higher one goes in dimensions, the less dense things are. It's more subtle. It's not as locked as this. And that's why when Jesus Christ resurrected, if you remember, he appeared to one as a gardener. He appeared as this. He appeared as that. He didn't have a definite appearance because when one ascends, 
you literally become like nothing. You become like no one. And when you are nothing, when you are no one, you have the potential to become anything and anyone. Does that make sense? Yes. Huh? Yes. So, again. Uh -huh. I said that again. I said when you see Jesus Christ after he resurrected and he had a heavenly body, right? It was written. Paul talked about how there are terrestrial bodies and there are celestial bodies. His celestial body, that resurrected body, that glorified flesh, did not have a definite appearance. It looked like this to some. It looked like that to some. It looked like that to some. It was not bound to any physical thing. It was bound to one essence, but it was not bound to one manifestation because it could manifest as anything. He could even turn it into a turtle. He could. One does even need to have a resurrected body to do that. Physically, one can do it. If you know the science, there are many people who can do it in these days. Not because your physical body is made up of the same chemical elements that the tortoise is made out of. All you need to do is know how to alter your mind in such a way that it vibrates at a frequency that can turn your physical body into a turtle. People can do it. That's why people disappear, for example. And huh. they... Yes. For someone to turn into a bed and fly, except a person has reached a certain level of mastery, for the, because your physical body, for you to maintain this physical form, all the other dimensions of your being have to vibrate at a constant frequency. For your physical body to look like this, your mind, your emotions, everything has to vibrate at a constant frequency. That's why when some people get very down, it can start to make them fall sick. They can, have, they can start having some different illnesses around their body because your emotions, your mind are not separate from your physical body. Are we getting that? So it's possible that <laughs> it's possible if the vibration of your emotions, of your mind are altered, your physical body can also be altered. And when people transform into animals, this and that, is a particular frequency they get their mind to. The thing, however, the challenge is keeping your mind meditative on that frequency. A lot of people don't have this. That's why you see people fly and they will land on a tree. The reason is many, there are many reasons. One of them being as they were flying, maybe they got distracted, maybe they were afraid, or they thought about their wife at home or something. The moment their mind changes from that frequency, it scatters and they fall back into physicality, you know? Or maybe the energy that they used to power themselves, maybe they killed the particular bed, that did not have enough vitality in itself. There are many reasons why someone will fly and you fall on a tree, they stop halfway, you know? That's why some people, instead of, instead of learning how to meditate and keep their mind on one direction, they will meet the Babala or someone to give them a particular chant that will put them into a kind of hypnosis. So that hypnosis keeps them perpetually in a particular frequency. And once they utter it, whatever they say, once they utter it, they just enter into that place and then they move to their destination. These are just different um, um, possibilities and whatnot. So physically speaking, it's very possible to change one's physical form so long as one knows how to do it and the formulas and it's not, it's not impossible. Even if people say, I don't believe it, all these things doesn't matter, you know, it's not impossible, you know, but anyway, that's a digression, you know, that's a digression. So, Oh, oh, if you know, you thought that they were lies. 
It's not lies, oh. Not in the slightest. It's not. It's not lies at all. It's not. I can tell you from my own personal experience that it's not. It's not a lie. I mean, I haven't transformed into anything physically, but I know what I've personally experienced in my work that makes me know that <laughs> these things are not a lie. You know, maybe someday I'll talk about some things. But... <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Why are you oh laughing? Digression, ah. Oh my god! Why I'm, are you laughing? Laughing? I'm still shocked. Like I'm in shock. Man, El Shaka, I won't lie. I don't really. I won't lie. I don't really believe those things. Or I won't lie to you. You don't need to believe in it. The sun because will shine without your belief. Uh, no, of course, definitely. But I feel like that's what's holding us back. As 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 as, as we focus on those, we focus on those things too much. All these. How people are flying. You are flying to go and steal my gift from market, flying to 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 poison somebody's son, all those kind of I feel like that is stopping us from actually focusing on what's I've I've never experienced it. Maybe it's just my ignorance, but I, I just don't personally believe in all those things. And look, that's fine. That that's fine, you know. That's that's fine. The fact that we don't believe in it still doesn't mean that it's not there. It doesn't I, exist, right? Yeah. I, I, I mean, except God, I don't know. God doesn't allow me to say I can tell you about my own personal experiences. Huh? You know, I mean, <laughs> Chad, don't, don't change the thoughts, please. No, 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 not nothing like that. You see, it's not. It's not about changing to churches. It's not about changing to a bird or a tiger or a lion. If there's anything valuable about being able to change into a lion, a tortoise, and all these things. It is not the changing into the tortoise or the lion that is the point. It is the ability for one to be able to keep their attention so concentrated that nothing can shift them left or right. As opposed to wasting your time turning to bed when there's plane and car, that willpower you can put it into other things. You get my point? And that's the problem with Africa. They spend years trying to gain this thing, but for what? Something that you, the modern technology is already solved. Why are you still? Maybe 400 years ago, it might have been useful, you know? It might have been useful, you know, to see what happened in our village. You know, you enter into the body of a bird and use their eyes. All these things are very much possible, you know? Then might have been useful, but now that we have Google Maps, why are you wasting so much? energy and time and effort doing all these things when you can use that same energy, time and effort to work with God to transform yourself in such a way that you are above all these things. Do you get what I'm saying? I didn't forget yourself's question. It's because his questions are very, it was very long. So I wanted to, you know. So yeah, like people who are still, you know, spending all their energy and willpower to try and disappear, it's, the truth is that when one starts working with God and you start to get deep, things like teleportation, all those things, it doesn't become that strange, you know, it's, it, it doesn't become that strange, it's something that becomes a real possibility, you know, but that's not the point, you know, I, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you just because it's the truth, you know, I'll tell you just because it's the truth. I personally know of a person in God, who is able to be in 50 places at one time. I'm telling you, whether it be spiritually or physically, you see him here, 
you see him in Japan, I am telling you something that is a fact. I have seen it with my eyes. I'm not telling you what I heard from somewhere. I've seen it. I've seen it. And I understand how it's possible. I know it for a fact. You know. To just give us an understanding so we're not so confused about it. You know. I mean, even look at the Bible. When um, Peter was arrested and then a girl came to meet him at the door and she said, the angel of Peter, what kind of understanding did she have that made her believe that it was possible for Peter to send a hologram of himself that looked exactly like him? Did we think about that? I'm asking people, have you thought about that? What gave her the understanding that that was possible? That even the church were never surprised that Peter could send, because when you say angel, the word angel means messenger, right? So it literally means Peter sent a messenger in the form of himself, in a hologram of himself. What? If they could think like that, doesn't that tell us that there's some basis of that being something that is normal, you see? And I can tell you what it is, you know, just for, this is a big digression. Well, I know all this is just intellectually scintillating and whatnot. It doesn't really transform anyone, but just for the sake of, uh, of knowing. As I'm here like this right now, right? As I'm here like this physically, psychologically, I can be in China. That is, I can think of a place I've visited in China before, maybe a particular street. If I can concentrate my attention so much there, right? And let's say I've developed a lot of spirit, because everything in life, like I always say, you need energy to do it. For there to be work, energy must be. So I concentrate a lot of attention in that particular place in China. So much so that it begins to, just like how a planet forms, when a condensation happens, a planet starts to form and it begins to call to itself all the particles in that space. That's how I can put my consciousness in that China, so concentrated that it begins to swirl around all the atoms and molecules in that place to create a physical form that a person can touch. Now, that's not my body. That's just me using the matter in that atmosphere to create a temporary form that can enable me to communicate a message. Do we understand this? I'm explaining. Ha. A little Are we bit. Understanding? Yeah. yeah. Are we understanding this? Sounds like fiction, but I guess, I guess. As I'm here like this now, as I'm here like this, in this group, I know the people that pray for me, at least to a significant degree, because I'll see you in my in my in my in my lens. I will sit down in my chairs and praying. I've seen many, many of us. I will see you walk in my room and put your hand. I see it. Because the fact that something is not physical does not mean that it doesn't have reality. Do you get what I'm saying? So if you put your attention on me, think about it physically now. I can be sitting down. This is a very big digression, but okay, let's just do it for the sake. As I'm sitting down here, right? Let's say I'm in a public place. Someone is 20 meters away, right? Physically, I'm not looking at them, but they are looking at me. Not only are they looking at me physically, but they are putting their attention upon me. I'll just feel, ah, and I'll look to my right, and I'll see that really and truly, that person was looking at me. How was I able to know? Do you understand exactly what this question before? How was I able to know that this person was looking at me? What connected us together? So that tells us, that wherever we put attention towards, a part of us goes to that place. Do you get what I'm saying? 
anywhere our attention goes to, a part of us is already there. And if one knows how to concentrate the attention very well, especially in the realm of the spirit, you know, in the dream, you see them appear now, even physically, if you are very spiritually conscious, someone that's thinking about you, if you're just in your kitchen, you just see them in your atmosphere. Already these things happen. That's why we just wake up one day and we call our friend and the friend says, oh my God, I was just thinking about you. I mean, haven't we all had that before? Yeah, we have. Uh-huh. So it's not a coincidence that you just call them and they told you that, oh, they were thinking about you. It's not a coincidence. It just happens that you perceived it, but in an unconscious way, but you perceived it. And that's why you started to think about them. But it's very possible for these things to be very conscious and deliberate. That not only will you know when they're thinking about you, you know exactly what they're thinking. You know? If I'm talking to a person, for example, right? Especially if your emotions are very charged, I will know what's in your mind. Even without you saying a word, I can already hear it. Mine is still on an emotional level. It's not very developed. But if you're talking to me, it's only if you're very emotionally charged and you're talking to me, I will know what you're thinking in that moment. But if you're not charged, I'll just have a glimpse of your feeling and I can tell how this person feels in my presence. It's something that is not a strange thing, you know? But if you're emotionally charged, I will know the exact thought or an approximation of it. I will know it. I might not be able to put it in the words, but I will understand it, you know? So it's not, it's not a, these are not strange things. So, yeah, it is possible for a person to appear in 50 places if they have developed a certain kind of inner potency that enables them to, just like a pianist who can play on the left hand and right hand simultaneously and play two different things, it's possible for someone to so develop concentration that they can break down their mind into 50 places and each one is very concentrated. And it can go there, go there, go there, go there, go there, go there. But you can't sustain it forever because it's energy that's being used. So that thing can only appear to that person for one hour. It depends. Some people are so powerful that it can be there for a year. Everyone is different. But I'm telling you, me, I've seen it. It's not, I'm not telling you stories. I've seen it. That's why I can explain it like that. If you can hear me, I don't sound like someone who is just talking stories. Anyway, it's up to you. Look, don't believe anything I'm saying. I'm just, you don't have any uh, um, basis of... I'm just saying this for saying sake, so you don't have to, you don't have to believe anything. You know, I'm just, um, I'm just telling you this for the sake of, of, um, of um, truth, you know. But anyway, that's that's um, that's by the, that's by the way. So we all we got here because we're talking about um, Jesus Christ and his heavenly body and how that body was able to change form and look like this and that and I explained that it's not only one doesn't just it's not about having heavenly body with the physical body one can change and things of that nature you know we got there because someone asked a question about rapture and um, I was explaining that rapture must first of all happen on the inside of one of oneself when their consciousness begins to vibrate at the frequency of God's consciousness and to be raptured to be lifted up when you see Moses, a picture of rapture is the book of Exodus. That's just what he's talking about. Do we understand what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, the rapture doesn't just only happen in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, rapture happened. That's why we read that John came out of 
Jerusalem, stood outside of the gate and called them into the wilderness to be baptized. Is this not the same thing that Moses did in Exodus? I'm asking. Huh? Just going coming in. I'm talking about how when we talk about rapture, it means to come out of a place of spiritual depravity, come out of a place of, of unconsciousness to God, come out of a place of ignorance into the light of knowledge and truth of God's nature and being. And I gave an example of the book of Exodus that wasn't only talking about Moses bringing a people out of a physical place, but him bringing a people out of a spiritual state of being, a psychological state of being. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, yes, it does. And I said, if you look at the New Testament, John the Baptist came out of Israel. That is physical Israel. He stood out of the city gates and called them to come to the wilderness to worship God at the Jordan. Isn't that the same thing with the story of Moses? When Moses came out of Egypt and he came to call them and said, Pharaoh, you must release these people so that they might go to the wilderness and worship God. Do you understand? Yes. yes. So you see how even Israel, at a point, psychologically and spiritually speaking, it became an Egypt. Because if he hadn't become an Egypt, John wouldn't come and say, come out. Does that make sense? Huh? Yes. Uh-huh. So when we talk about rapture, it speaks of coming out of a psychological state. In fact, when we talk about, on a basic sense, if you want to look at rapture, a person who grew up in a place where, you know, they live from hand to mouth and everybody was always worried about, you know, tomorrow's bread. So because of that, they are afraid to um, spend money on useful things. So they're always keeping it, hoarding it. You know, this is what the people call poverty mentality, you know. You are raptured if someone comes from a wealthy state of mind and gives you new information about business and stuff like that and changes your state of mind. Do you understand when I call that a rapture? Yes. 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 Huh? Huh? Uh-huh. I just want to, what I always say, I like for us to understand these concepts in the most basic aspect of life. Because if we don't understand it in the basic aspect of life, we can't understand it in the spiritual aspect. That's why Jesus Christ said, I'm speaking of earthly things you don't know. How can you know if I speak of heavenly things. So everything that we have physical or physically already has the capacity to, to explain to us a lot of spiritual concepts because it's the same. When someone delivers me from the mindset of gambling, that is a kind of salvation. That is a kind of deliverance. That is a kind of rapture, true or false? Huh? True. 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 So I come out of the hell or the Egypt of money squandering and reckless um, money behavior to the heaven of investing and saving, isn't it? Huh? Uh So this is the same concept with rapture. It is first and foremost an eternal thing. The elevation of one state of consciousness, one state of being, and it will always express itself in the way they act. A person's psychological state will always be expressed from their actions sooner or later. Jesus Christ said, 
by their fruit, you shall know them. When you meet a person that is from Ijebu, from their behavior, you know this is an Ijebu girl. Like Tolu Lopen now, you just know because Tolu, before she can collect something from Tolu. Anyway, let's not go into that place tonight. <laughs> I'm joking, please. I don't want to cause anyone's trouble. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Tolu, don't worry, it's Anatoly, not you. I'm talking about Anatoly, not, not you. There's Anatoly that is you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so by what comes out of a person you know where they are from if you have good ears you know when you're talking you're talking to someone who is from the north when you hear someone's broken english you no know, ah this one a south south boy isn't it because by their fruits you shall know them so when we talk about the heavens, understand, I'm not even talking about it at a very basic level. We're not even entering into the spiritual aspect of these things. I'm just here trying to get us to understand the basic concepts. Like I said, we're going into the foundation. And that's why it looks like this conversation is just going around and around. But I know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get us to understand this in a very basic and understandable way. We've not digressed. Remember, in Hebrew, the, the heavens is called Shemayim. And it speaks of the waters above. And when we look all throughout the Bible, the waters above are what blesses the land below to bring forth food, to bring forth nourishment, to help people. Blessing always comes from above. And there are different layers of these things. You know. Like we've said, it speaks of a level of authority. Just like physically speaking, you have the local government chairman, you have the governor of a state, you have the Senate president, and you have the president, you have the head of the African Union. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's in life, there's always layers and layers and layers. And that's how it is with God and the heavens. Just look at how it is physically. That's the same way it is spiritually. There is a dimension after the other. And every dimension below is dependent on the dimension above. Does that make sense? Yes. Huh? Just like the, gov the governor of Lagos, the governor of Lagos is dependent upon the president, which can be represent, which can represent the federal government. The local government is dependent on the federal government because it's a dimension above it. That's why the Bible says that it is the one who is greater that what? Who can complete that for me? Anyone? Anyone? Servant of all. Well, yes. Well, yes. Is the one who is greater that blesses the younger. The elder blesses the younger. Have you seen that scripture before? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. It's the one that is above that blesses the one that is below. And it's just a principle that occurs in all throughout life. It's the one who has, that has the capacity to give, you know. So, and when we study the Bible, you know, we see we see it express itself in very simple ways if we are 
very observant. And a place in the Bible that really talks about the heaven. Before I go forward, let me just attend to Joseph's question. Let me find it. It's it's up, 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 up. Let me find it. Sorry, guys. Because I'm about to enter into another thing, but well, not another thing, but I just want to make sure that we've covered every. So right now, Joe, I'm looking for your question. Okay, so Joe said, is it twofold? Because if the adversary, his form vibrates at the heavenly level, so he can exist and his so he can exist and his being is in a way that permits his presence there more than, say, an average person that gets caught up into a heaven. But his energy has somewhat changed by virtue of his self seeking a greater light, hence his fall. So the original Christ existing or dying for another, his hardware no longer runs on that code. So he's, he isn't a perpetual occupant of heaven, rather by, just so your English is more true, rather by virtue of the amplitude of his vibration and now the hell code, the self-seeking mentality, searching to be greater light that now runs in him. He can be the ruler of hell. Okay, I think I understand your question, Joe. Though, I would say that the question is, um, the question is, um, yes, okay, so you put it down. So to, a, okay, someone said, can you explain the question to a layman? So Joe is saying that, so Joe is saying that, okay, so in, he's saying the heaven code is, the heaven code or heaven hardware, heaven software is a mindset that seeks to bless and uplift and, you know, all the heavenly virtues. And the hell code is taking from people, punishment, violence, and all these things. That's what he calls the hell code. It's just a new um, lingo for the same spiritual concept we're talking about, you know. So I would say that, you know, and what well, this is a, a whole topic that we're going to look into because if you study the Bible very well, there is no place that says that Satan is the ruler of hell. You know, that's a, that's a concept that came about by pop culture and a lot of um, different representations all through time. When we look at the Bible, we see that the person who is Lord of hell is God. It's always been, you know, Literally, who says that Jesus Christ took the key of hell and of, of Hades and death? And it's right there, you know. Also in the Old Testament, David said, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I lay my bed in hell, you're also there. God is not only Lord in heaven. God is also Lord in hell. Do we understand that? I'm asking people. Yes, yes. But yes. the part that calls the devil the prince of this world or his kingdom is in the air, stuff like that. So when we talk about the adversary, when we say the prince of this world, it's, it speaks about, <sighs> the devil is not a particular person, but a particular quality that exists in man. A, a particular quality in man that is antagonistic to the nature of God on a very basic sense. The carnal nature is the Satan. That's why when Peter said to Jesus Christ, 
don't go to the cross. Jesus Christ looked at Peter and said, Satan, get behind me. Do we understand that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because yes. In that moment, he was speaking from the aspect of himself that was contrary to the nature of God. That is Satan. And it exists in every single person, including Jesus Christ himself as of that time. Because how do you think he got tempted? You know, we read that story, we think that something literally appeared physically in front of him and said, eat bread. No, it was in his heart. He was probably there fasting in the wilderness and he just saw this bread and he was really tempted. It was an internal battle. I don't understand what I'm saying. Yes. Do you understand? Not saying that something cannot appear to you to physically tempt you. But for that thing to appear physically to you as a Satan, internally, that person must first of all have identified themselves with that part of them that is against God. Do you understand? So we talk about how some people can be, quote unquote, principality of a particular region. That is a physical person. Before they can be that, don't they have to, first of all, in themselves, have a nature that is antagonistic to God? Huh? Wait, before what? Sorry. When we talk about when they say someone is a principality in a particular region, so this particular man, ah, this man is a principality here. Before he can be that physical principality, inside of himself, doesn't he have to, first of all, be antagonistic to God? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So it's first of all inside before it is outside. Yeah. That's what we see in the book of Second Thessalonians, I think chapter three, when Paul said, I'm just paraphrasing. Don't, maybe someone can put it here for me. Don't pay mind to those people who are said, who have said that the Lord has come. For the Lord, I said, sorry, that the day of the Lord has already come. For the day of the Lord will not come unless the falling away of the son of perdition happens first. That one who sits as God in the temple of God. Have you seen that scripture before in Thessalonians? Maybe someone can put it up for us. The second Thessalonians, I think chapter three, verse one to five or chapter four, one of them. Maybe someone can put it here for us, you know, so we can look at it. If someone can find it, I would appreciate if you could put it here for us, you know. From that scripture, he said, don't expect Christ to come if the falling away of the son of perdition doesn't come first. First of all, the question to ask ourselves, who is the temple of God? I'm asking. Huh? We are. Indeed. Awesome. Many people read that scripture. Thank you, princess. Can you, could you um, post second Thessalonians 2 verse, uh-huh, okay, uh-huh. see, someone has posted a great, 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 awesome. So let me just read it out for us quickly. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, that is the day of the Lord, the coming of Christ, will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. You know, this same scripture, if you read it very carefully, it also talks about things in the Old Testament, I think in Ezekiel, when they were talking about, um, anyway, let's not go into all of that now. Okay. And nonetheless, when we look at this scripture, 
we see that they're talking about something that sits as God in God's temple. There are many people who have interpreted this scripture to mean that the Antichrist, oh, he's going to, before God can come, the temple in Jerusalem, the Antichrist must first fall down from the top of the tower. Do you get what I'm saying? Have you seen, have you heard those statements before? You understand? All these ideas that came as a result of people unable to read the scripture for what it's saying. People who don't know how to read. Because if you read this scripture, it's talking about us. What sits as God in his temple? It could be so many things. It could be your fears. It could be your pride. And when God is telling you, hey, I want you to go and do this particular thing, your pride says, eh, ah, ah. But look, they were looking at me now. That is something that's sitting as God in the temple. And Christ cannot be revealed through you unless that thing falls away first. Are we understanding this? Yes. Do we get it? You see how it's crystal clear? How can Christ come in you to express itself in the world when there is no room for him? And that's why he said, I think there was a time when Jesus Christ was walking and someone said they want to follow him. And he said, the son of man doesn't have any place to lay his head. What do you think that statement meant? He was talking about you. Because no one wants to receive him in their heart. You know? But the son of perdition, everyone has room for him. Oh, come and stay here. There's, I have three bedrooms. Come and lie down with me. You know? <laughs> Do you understand? So when he said the son of man didn't have any place to lay his head, he was talking about people's hearts. Because that's where the son of man resides. It's internal. It's within you. And he does not have a place to lay his head. You know? And this is how with physical things, with simple stories, they are Sir, communicating. Huh? Labaket, yeah, go ahead. Um, you said he doesn't have any place to lay his head. So it's not really about, okay, I came to you and uh, like that place wasn't really saying you should help the poor and stuff like that. It's much deeper. It is inclusive of that. Do you understand? Okay, okay layer, uh -huh. layer. It is inclusive, but it's beyond it. You get my point? So it's very possible that Jesus Christ was alluding to him not having a physical place to stay, but that's only one dimension of that statement. Make sense? Yes, makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. So that was the Christ speaking. And when we read the Christ, let us remove the picture of someone 2,000 years ago. Let us start to see the spirit and understand that everything he's saying in that place, he's talking to us right now. We are the audience he's speaking to. It's not just people 2,000 years ago. It still relates to us right now. And when he said the son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head, it means how many people have allowed... There's a Bible verse that talks about how to, be, to, to, to um, be, make ourselves into temples of honor that the Lord can inhabit. Many people are not interested in doing so. When God gives us certain instructions to make our, ourselves a certain type of way, we revolt, we reject him. He tells us, I want you to talk like this to this person. I want you not to react this way. We revolt. And in doing so, we make the son of man homeless. Do we understand? Hmm? Yes. We have made God destitute. And that is something to remember. We have made him homeless, wandering from house to house, knocking who will let me in. Do you understand? And that's what Jesus Christ spoke to the disciples. He said to them, anyone who does not let you in their house, they have also rejected me. Dust your feet at their doorstep and go. 
he wasn't speaking about someone allowing them to sleep in your physical. What he was talking about that on the physical level, but on a spiritual level, he was talking about the message that they came to bring to those people. If they didn't allow that message reside in their hearts, dust your feet and go. That's what happened to Jesus Christ when he went to minister in Galilee. They didn't receive him. And many miracles were not done. Same thing with Tyre and Sidon. They didn't receive him. They didn't give him a place to rest. That place to rest is the heart of the people ready to accommodate the message that he has to give to them. This is how the Bible just talks about spiritual things on a very physical level. And I'm saying all these things to help us to now go and read scriptures again and see them in a different light and have an idea of what is being spoken about.